happy 2020. I'm glad that you're here. Are you happy that it's 2020? Sort of? Like, are you glad you're not in 2019 still? Like, what, where, where are you at? Uh, welcome to the new decade. Uh, I wanted you to help me this morning as we, uh, we, we are. We've, we're leaving a decade behind, and I was hoping that you would help me this morning say goodbye to some of the things of, of yesteryear of this past decade. So if you would, uh, we're going to say goodbye to planking. We're going to say goodbye to the original iPad. <clears throat> goodbye, Harry Potter. Uh, Gangnam Style, the Harlem Shake, and thank God the Ice Bucket Challenge. Uh, is it blue? Is it gold? I can't remember. Uh, Rip Harambe, uh, Pokemon is gone, fidgeted out, and uh, thank God, I mean, I'm sorry, goodbye Frozen, um, I don't get that song stuck in my head every time I have to use the Frozen setting on my toaster, and would you put your hands in the air, and let's all together collectively help me say goodbye to this, Baby Shark. Uh, <laughs> all the parents in the room are like, no, 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 that's our saving grace, like... <laughs> Uh, but listen, uh, I don't know how you rang in 2020, but uh, I had the opportunity to, uh, to ring in 2020 with uh, 65,000 college students. Uh, yes, absolutely. It was amazing. I have a picture here. They rang in the new year. I'm going to take these off because I feel ridiculous as I probably look. Uh, but we rang in the new year singing and praising God, worshiping God as the clock struck midnight. Fireworks going off inside and outside the Mercedes-Benz picture. I think we have a, a, a arena. I think we have a picture of it here somewhere. Uh, maybe it was just an awesome time. Would you give it up for our college students? Because these 65,000 college students could have been anywhere else. As you well know, on, on New Year's Eve, worship, you know, doing anything other than worshiping God. But... Uh, but man, what, a, what an awesome time to, <clears throat> to be with them, to be a part of that. And, uh, and I don't know about you, but, but, but I am ready to see, and I know you are too, uh, 2019, maybe this past decade, you are ready to see it in your rearview mirror. Uh, whatever it is, wherever you find yourself today, there are things that have happened just like we said goodbye to all those things that we just talked about. There are things that have happened in our lives disappointments, failures, bad decisions, those are in our rearview mirror, and we are walking away from those things. This is a great opportunity as we take each step forward to walk away. Those things will become smaller and smaller and smaller in our rearview mirror. We can praise God for that, and God is saying, I want to take that from you beginning here. This is a great time at the beginning of the new year to hit the reset button on, on many things in, in our life, and <clears throat> so we want to take advantage of that here this morning. As we continue, I know um, uh, Pastor Sean did a great job last week of kind of re-kicking us off back into the Awaken series. Uh, man, the Awaken series, that was like so last decade, right? Like when we started that, that was such, such a long time ago. And, uh, but Sean did a great job kicking, that back in, kicking us back into that last week. And I know this too, that next week I talked to Pastor Matt and Arlene this, this weekend. They send their love and their prayers this morning. And he will pick back up next week, starting the, the, the series that picks it right back up, the story where it picks up after me. And so I've told both of those guys that like, I'm like the rose between two thorns. Don't tell them that, but, but, but I've made that very clear. Um, so here, here's the interesting passage where we are today as we continue down this storyline and in this Awakened series. <clears throat> I'm glad you're here today. 
uh, because this is an interesting passage. It's, it, it, you know, is, uh, there's no commands, there's no imperative do's or don'ts. There's just this ambiguous instruction by Jesus, and, and then as followed, there's a, there's a line of seven questions that come across this passage we're going to look at this morning. None at the end of it really get a great response or uh, warrant that, and so there's 11 verses, 10 different people doing things, and, uh, and here's what we know. Here's what we, we understand is these gentlemen that we're about to read about, as they begin to question who Jesus is, you and I stand here, and what you and I can do as Christ followers in 2020 is that you and I can rejoice and we can celebrate when we go back and we read God's word about these gentlemen and their encounter with who Jesus is. You and I in 2020 can sit here and go, aren't, aren't, aren't we glad? Aren't we joyous? Can't we celebrate that Jesus is still who he said he was going to be way back then? And here in 2020, he is still the same yesterday, today, and, and forever, amen? And so we're, we can come and we read truth like that, you and I, we can celebrate that. And so I want us to do that this morning. If you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 7, verses 25 through 36. That's where we're kind of camping out this morning. And it starts off, interestingly enough, it starts off with a question. It says, isn't this, um, they begin at, isn't this the man that they are trying to kill? Isn't this the man that Jews want to kill? And the answer is yes, this is the man. You remember back in, 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 we were in John chapter 5, and um, Jesus shows up at the pool of Bethesda. And Jesus shows up, there's a man there who's been, uh, been invalid for 38 years, and Jesus shows up on the scene, bam, he's healed, and Jesus says, take up your mat and walk. And everybody around is probably going, oh my gosh, streaming tears. If you and I were there, we'd be like, oh my gosh, this is the best miracle ever, right? But these Pharisees are about to lose their mind. Number one, because Jesus told him to pick up his mat and to go, and so he did that. Because he was healed. After 38, he was healed. And the Pharisees are losing their minds because the man picked up his mat and walked. And it was Sabbath law that you could not pick up an object and move it from point A to point B. The other reason, as the reason says in verse 18, it says, not only was he breaking the Sabbath, he was even calling himself, he had the audacity to call himself God. He even had the audacity to call himself his father. And it's blasphemy, straight up blasphemy for these guys. And, and you look back at, at John uh, 7, 1, it says, After these things, Jesus was walking in Galilee, for he was unwilling to walk into Judea. I wonder why. Because the Jews were seeking to kill him. So isn't this the guy that everyone's trying to kill? The answer is yes, this is him. This is the guy. And in the next verse, he's, he's speaking publicly. And Jesus is teaching in the temple. And this is at the time, it's a, it, the, the big uh, uh, Feast of Tabernacle. And so there, there's this big big just, just swell in the attendance and the population in that area. And so he's out there in the temple and he is teaching. He's speaking publicly. And this is what they're saying. He's doing this. He's teaching and they are not saying a word to him. The question arises, have the authorities really concluded that he is the Messiah? So he's out there teaching. I mean, if they were wanting to kill him, if they were wanting to take him out, why not send in SEAL Team 6 right now and let's, let's just get it done, right? Like, like he's away from, from his guys. There's no sword-wielding Peter ready to cut someone's ear off that's going to protect him right now. Uh, there's, he's not there. His guys, he's kind of away from his posse, so to speak. And so why not take him when he's out in public? It's an easy target. And so they then in turn ask the question, could it be that the reason they're not killing him is that they really know that he is the Christ? 
that he's the Messiah, that he is the one, that he's the one that's come, that he's the one that's going to fulfill all of the Old Testament prophecies that we've heard about. Is he the one? And we can't really get into the mind of what these people were thinking, and, and we, we don't know what was in their hearts. Yes, he's the Messiah, but maybe no, he's not. But we know this, however, a response later on makes us think that they thought that maybe he could be the Christ because all they wanted to do was arrest him and question him. And you see two different responses here. As we jump into this morning, I want you to look at these two different crowds. Now, you and I have the advantage that we have seen the whole story. We know how this ends. These guys, they're just doing what they, they're, they're protecting what they think they need to protect. And so, so view it through that lens as we walk through this. And we see these two different responses. Remember in, in, in John chapter 6, we got there, we talked about Jesus. He's feeding the 5,000 and he fed all these people. Again, another incredible miracle where you and I would be like going, whoa, he took Chick-fil-A and like made it into an like excused family meal, right? Like it was crazy. And, he, and he's doing this. And those people right then saw enough evidence. And those people right then said, you know what? Let's do it now. Let's make him our king right here, right now, today. You know what Jesus' response was? He disappears. He's like, no, 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 not now. That's not happening right now. It's not my time. This is not it. The other response in chapter 7 where we are today, they don't like him. They want to arrest him. They want to, there's a target on him. They want to kill him. You know what? In both of these responses, they're not able to accomplish either one, make him king or take his life. Why? Because his time had not yet come because God and his sovereignty is in control of all situations. God, in his sovereignty, works things out for his glory and, and our good. And sometimes for you and I, it's hard to wait for that, isn't it? I mean, we're at the beginning of the year. Some of the questions that we ask in life, some of the questions that we have, we, we have there's zero answers for. And we just have to trust the process. We have to trust an almighty God that he has our best interest in mind. Not our agenda, but his agenda. You know, as we, we set out at the, the, the outset of, of 2020 and, and every year, right, we, we make a list, New Year's resolutions. Have you made your list yet? And, and the number one thing on there, okay, the number one thing on there year after year after year is people want to do what? Get in shape. You said lose weight. I said get in shape just for the record, okay? So I want everybody to stand up. We're going to do some jumping jacks. No, I'm just kidding, but I'm trying to get you off on the right foot here. But we start this list, and we, we, we go down this list, this, this agenda, and we, and we said, I want this to happen this year. I want this to change this year. I want these things. I want to be this this year. And maybe actually what we should start off the year doing is just sitting and listening and say, God, with our palms open, what do you want us to be this year? What is your agenda for my life this year in 2020, the beginning of this decade? God, what do you want to do through me? And you and I, we're so busy, right? Like that we, we wear it like a badge of honor, busyness. So, hey, Rob, can you go to lunch? Uh, no, I'm not. I'm busy, all right? Hey, can you come to? No, I'm, I'm busy. Like we wear that like a badge of honor. And at the outset of this year, if I can encourage you to, to do one thing, number one, I'm going to encourage you to pick back up God's word. Number two, I'm going to pick you, I'm going to encourage you to sit and to listen before you make any plans for 2020. It's radical, I know, to sit still and to listen to God. That sounds so just opposite of what our culture says. Go, go, go. Deuteronomy 29, 29, talking about the mysteries of life. Secret things belong to the Lord. You know, we try to put our life in order, and we try to come up with the answers to some of these questions. And we think, God's not talking to me anymore. I can't hear him anymore. You know, maybe it's because we've gotten so busy that we can't stop to listen. 
to what he's trying to tell us. Maybe the answer is there. Maybe we're so busy trying to push our agenda through that we can't hear what his agenda is. Remember, he does things for his glory and, and our good. If he would just take the time. And these guys, I think, are so caught up in what they know, what they've been taught, and, and, and their picture of the Messiah, they're, look, they're based off this. They're rearview mirror driving through this. And so this morning, as we, as we look at this text, as we look at this story, I want you to think through those lens. As we look at... Do they know if he is the Christ? I don't think so. Look at verse 27. It says, however, we know where this man is from. Jesus. But whenever the Christ may come, no one knows where he is from. You see, the rabbis taught then, and, and, and many do still today, that, that, that we won't know where he came from. That when the Christ for the first time shows up, he's going to come from somewhere that, that we didn't know of. That he would appear as a man. That, that he's going to rally the troops. He's going to gain a population. That he's going to unseat the current king. And he's going to free people from Roman rule. And that's what they were hoping for. Because that's what they knew. And Jesus is trying to tell them, like, look, what you, what you think I am, what you think you know the Messiah, the Christ to be, so much bigger than that. I'm so much greater than that if you'll just trust me and trust the process. They're hoping for that this would happen, but, but isn't he supposed to come from somewhere that we don't know about? And isn't Jesus supposed to come from or be somebody that we didn't know prior? Continue to ask these questions. Remember in John 6, Jesus says, says I am the bread from heaven. That's John chapter 6. In John chapter 7, they're saying like, no, you're not. You're Joseph's boy. You're not the bread of heaven. You're just, you're just Mary's kid. You're just that little boy from Galilee. We know where you're from. You're, you're from Nazareth, and we know nothing good can come from Nazareth. We know that. And their preconceived notions got the best of them. And so it leads to this discussion, and internally they're skeptical in their minds, and understandably so, because it's not what they have been taught. And it leads to this internal discussion between the leaders and also the, the people start to, to ask questions. You see, at this point, a third of the crowd is like, let's make him king today. A third of the point is like going, yes, he is, no, he's not. And another third is like, let's take his life, let's end this right now. He is blasphemous. This is not the Savior that we thought. This is not the Christ. This is not the Messiah that we were told would be here. They were looking for something different. And it's at this point that Jesus decides to respond I mean, he's been sitting here quietly, right? And he's just, but the Bible doesn't say that he just kind of steps into it and goes like, hey guys, I know there's some, some misunderstanding here. Can I just step into this moment? Can, can I just borrow you for a second? Let me just clear up some things. It'll help you understand things a little better. No, the Bible says that he proclaimed as he taught. In other words, the Greek word there is ekrazo, which means he is crying out. This is used 10 times across the New Testament. There's only one word that's stronger than this, and that is the word that was used when Jesus is on the cross, saying he is making the loudest possible human, human cry ever as he is on the cross and he is dying. This word is right up under that. He's still taking it, though. Listen, he's still taking it from a 5 to 10 on the volume level here. And so Jesus says this. He's crying out in the temple. He's teaching. He's saying, you both know me and know where I am from. So he's telling them, you know this. And I have not come of myself, but he who sent me is true, whom you do not know. Look down at your Bibles in verse 28 there. Some of your versions, if you have a maybe like a, a, an older ESV or 
Some of the versions have a, a question mark here, and it reads like a question like, like, you know me, and you know where I'm from. Like, I'm Rob Hemphill. It's kind of rhetorical, right? Like, oh, oh really? And some of, your, some of your versions have like a period there, a semicolon. It makes it more of like a statement. And, and here's what I want to say about that. And I'm going I'm to just talk to you. Let me close that out real quick. So if you look at the context of this whole passage, it addresses whether it's a semicolon, whether it's a period, whether it's a question, whether it's a statement. If you look at the big body of work here in this text, it addresses both of those. Don't get hung up on that punctuation. Also, I want to take time out right now and just say this. If you're here today... And you decided maybe, hey, it's 2020, I'm hitting the reset button, I'm going to start going back to church. I'm glad that you're in the building today, and I'll tell you why. If you're online and you're joining us and you're like, hey, I'm, I haven't been, man, for whatever reason, I dropped God's word last year. I just quit reading it. Maybe last decade at some point, you stopped reading God's word. It started, stopped being a, a point and position in your life that was speaking into your life. Whatever reason, I don't care. That's in your rearview mirror. I'm glad you're here today. I'm glad that you're picking it back up and you've made this commitment. Maybe you're at one of our Christmas Eve services and you said, you know what? At 2020, the first weekend, I am back in church. First week of January, I'm picking back up God's word. I'm glad that you're here. Listen, if you and I met on a street corner today and you said, Rob, I just started following Jesus. I'm excited about that and I want to, I want to start reading the Bible. Where, where should I start reading? I would tell you the book of John. I don't think it's by coincidence that you're joining us today if that's you in that situation because we're going through this Awaken series and in this Awaken series, we are walking through the book of John. And so thank you for being here. I'm, I'm excited. I want to encourage you to pick up God's word. I just spent a week um, at, at a camp up in uh, Sharp Top, Jasper, Georgia with our high school students. And many of them, man, we, we, poured, we poured into them. We gave them opportunities just to seek God's word all week long, and, and some of them, and the challenge at the end, some of them said, you know what, this year I'm going to put down my phone, and I'm going to pick up God's word more. Amen, right? Like, that's, you give me, yeah, go ahead, that's worth applauding for it. You, you give me t two dozen high school students that are diving into this every single day, look, I can change the world with that. You think about that. Think about what it would do for our church. Think about what it would do for this community. Think about what it would do to our local high schools. If our students jumped on it and said, I'm putting my phone down and I'm jumping into God's word. I'm diving in, all in, 2020. And we're, we're gonna be challenging our high school students this year to memorize 20 verses and to invite 20 people into this space. It's a 2020 vision. And so, yeah, amen, right? So, that is, the, that is what's on the line. They're, kick that off and, and kind of introduce that next Sunday night. But, but I want to encourage you, if you're here just picking up God's word today, stay with it. God's word doesn't return void, does it? It, it always has an answer, always has direction into our, our life. And man, how, it's so exciting. Uh, so let, let me just catch us up on the same page here. You know, for those of you who are just picking it up, maybe for the first day, God did not write the Bible in English. Spoiler alert, Sorry. And don't, don't tell your grandparents this, but he didn't write it in King James Version either, okay? Don't, okay? But it was very pertinent for its time. It was. But I also want to just, when the original manuscripts came out, it was just a bunch of, you know, we added the numbers for our own understanding. We added the reference numbers. You see subheadings across them. We added those so that we could, that it would help us understand it better. But when they got the original manuscripts, sure, there were like breathing marks, 
here and there where you could take a breath after reading, right? And, and there was that, but it was, it was really just like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of run-on sentences. Or as my high school English teacher said, one of Rob's typical research papers. <laughs> but don't get, get so tied up in, in, in the punctuation there of this language. Just, just dive into God's word. There are people there who have written books that have spent years and years just, just combing over God's word that, that helps give us insight. Man, we'd love to connect you with that. And if you don't have a Bible, man, let that be our gift to you today, would you? You can pick that up at the, at the counter outside ask someone afterwards. We'd love to send you home with a copy of God's word if you, don't, if you don't have one. So here's where we're at. There's a disagreement going on here in this text. There's disagreement. Jesus says, you know where I came from. They have no idea. And we know they have no idea because of, because of this. Go to John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. I want to show you something. John 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, fast forward to uh, verse 14. If you're looking up there, verse 14 says, The Word became flesh. Okay, here's our first quiz of the morning class. What? Who is the word? Jesus. Good. You guys are sharp. It's 11 o'clock. I'm impressed. Jesus is the right answer. Now I'm going to take that word and we're going to read this passage again. I'm going to insert that word there. In the beginning was Jesus and Jesus was with God and Jesus was God. Jesus was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Jesus and apart from Jesus, nothing came into being that has come into being. In Jesus was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Now, go back to verse one. Where is Jesus actually from? Heaven. Okay, he's, from the, he's of the Father. He's, he's from heaven. Did these people know that? No. Why? Because they did not think that he was the Christ. And in this moment, out of the smallest out of the smallness of this historically proclaimed king comes this, the, the bigness of this history-making, life-changing, unconditionally loving God that you and I know today. Bottom line, he's going to be so much bigger than these guys can even wrap their minds around. You know, it wasn't until, unfortunately, or whatever, it wasn't until um, I was an adult that I got to go to New York City for the first time. And so I was, on a, I was with my brother-in-law on a work trip helping them out, and, and we had a, an extra day, and they said, hey, you want to go see the Statue of Liberty? And I was like, do I ever? This is great. Yeah, I want to go in the city where we're seeing all the sights like you would normally do, and <clears throat> I was all excited. And, and, we, and we, we walked around, there's this building, and we have to walk around this building that leads to the path to get on the boat to go see Lady Liberty, right? And so I walk around this building, and I turn, and there she is. And I just stop in my tracks, and I'm just like, and the guys walking with me, they finally stop and they're like, what? And I'm like, that's it? That, that's it? No, seriously, where's the real Statue of Liberty? Like, is that at the gift shop? Like, what, what's happening here? That's the real Statue of Liberty? You guys got to be kidding me. And they're like, whoa, what? Were your coloring books skewed as a kid? Like, what, what happened here? Like, I just, my preconceived notions of what this was, I thought, I mean, come on, guys. Seriously, like, I can fit that in here. Like, that's not that big. And man, my mind was blown away 
because I guess my preconceived notions were that this thing was so much larger than life. Maybe it was the movies, maybe it was the TV shows, I'm not sure, that kind of gave me these notions, this, this thought that the Statue of Liberty was just through the clouds. It's all these movies of airplanes flying around it, you know, that kind of a thing. Maybe it was that, I don't know, maybe it was that, that Planet of the Apes movie where the, the head of Statue of Liberty is laying on the beach. I don't know what it was, but for whatever reason, I thought it was going to be so much bigger. And it was. Now, we, we went on that day. We went on the tour and walked over there, and I'm walking around that thing, still looking at it, kind of like, eh. I'm, I'm ready to go now, you know. So my preconceived notions kept me from understanding the reality of what it is. And speaking of the bigness of the smallness, no one knew when they put that Statue of Liberty there, they knew it, it represented something, sure, but they had no idea the effect that it would have and the symbolism that it would have in its bigness today. Now, the Statue of Liberty is cool. I suggest you go see it. Just maybe take your zoom lens with you. So I, I want to ask three questions. Just like these guys are asking Jesus, how can you be the Christ? I want to ask three questions that would help solidify this for these guys. And I would ask this, who is this man and who did Jesus say that he was? And I'm going to put some verses on the board and, and we're going to just kind of roll through these. John 10, 14, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. 10, 7, I am the door of the sheep. 10, 9, if you enter through the door, I will save you. You'll be saved. John 10, 30, I and the Father are one. John 12, 45, he who sees me sees the one who sent me. 8, 12, I am the light of the world. And, and 14, 6, I am the way the truth, and the life, and no one, no one, no one comes to the Father except through who? Through me, and me is Jesus. Second question, were his actions in line with who God is? Again, we look at, look at right here, stay inside, even the, the book of John, 829 says, I always do the things that are pleasing to him, the Father. John 10, 10 says, I've, I've come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. Look, he's, he did miracles. In fact, in fact, Scripture says that there are miracles that are not even recorded in Scripture. He was just doing miracles. We know that. He was certainly a miracle worker. We know that. But you know what else he did? He stirred people to hatred and bitterness. Because you know why? Because he said, I have the power to forgive sin. Now, who else could forgive sin? Who else has the power to forgive sin if it's not Jesus, if it's not God? No one can take his life from him. John 10 tells us that he has the authority to lay down and to take his life. So the question that you and I ask is, is this consistent with who he says he is? And the answer is yes. John 6.38 says, I have come down from heaven to do the will of the Father. So yes, 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 this is consistent. Here's the third question I would ask in this situation. What is his relationship like? What is his relationship to God the Father? So if you have your Bibles, flip all the way back to the beginning. In Genesis chapter 1. Here's the question. It says, let us make man in his own image. Let us make man in our image. Who is us? Who is us? I mean, we're 26 verses into the Bible here, friends. We all got an us question. Who is us? We know who it's not. We know it's not the angels, because they're not creators. It's not the devil, Right? Scripture teaches us that it is God. It is the Trinity. It is the triune God. In John 10, 30, it says, I and the Father are one, 8, 19. If you knew me, you'd know my Father also. In 14, 16, Jesus says, 
I'll ask the Father to give you a helper, and I'll, I'll have him send that helper. With the, the word there uh, that's used tells us that, that it is a helper just like Jesus. Alos is the word. It's the Greek word that says, I will send another just like myself. And, and so Jesus is saying, I'm going to send someone. When I leave, I'm going to send someone to be there for you. This isn't a once and done deal. This is forever. I am going to be with you always. I am going to send my spirit. I'm going to spend another helper just like me. So who is God? In that one verse, we see all three persons of the Trinity. God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. John 14, 17 says, that is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. It's comforting. Now, next thing is this. I want us to unpack this. Here's your homework assignment, all right? Give you a little homework assignment for this week because we don't have time to unpack this. But we've seen John's testimony. We've just read through what John's testimony. If I were to bring John and the Apostle Paul, if I called them to the witness stand today to, to testify as to who Jesus is and his identity, you've heard John's testimony. This week I want you to go and read Paul's testimony in that Colossians 1, uh, 13 through 17. And I, different time, different, different experience with Jesus, different exposure to different, different uh, relational parts of Jesus, but their testimonies you will amazingly find align perfectly. He is who he said that he was. So we, so we rewind, we go back. Is Jesus actually from heaven? Do these people know that? No, look at, look at the verses 40 through 42 in chapter 7. It states again that they understand that he's from Galilee. They know he's from Galilee. But they don't understand he's from heaven. Here, here's the objections that they're raising. I want you to see this. Isn't the, isn't the Christ supposed to come from Galilee? Hasn't the scripture said he's supposed to come through the, the line of David? Are right, you ready, class? Whose familial line does Joseph come from? The answer is David. Say the same answer after this next question. Whose familial line does Mary come from? So, right, so Jesus did come from the line of David. These guys just haven't done their homework. And these people aren't doing anything. They're, they're, the question comes again after that. Isn't he supposed to be from Bethlehem? Where was Jesus born? Bethlehem. In fact, the, the prophet Micah zeroed it in on a map said, look, the Messiah will come from Bethlehem. They know this. They're just, I mean, they need to hire new uh, research assistants, I guess. I don't know what the deal is, but they're just not getting it. And in the next, in the next chapter, chapter 8, which we'll get into next week, Jesus starts to call them out. He starts to turn it up a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Like he, he says, you don't know me. You think you know me. You don't know me. You think you know me. You don't know me. You think you know my father. You don't know me, therefore you don't know my dad. Man, he's, he's, he's turning it up slowly. And then in 8.14 says, he answered my testimony is true, but you don't know where I come from. You know neither me nor my father in 8.19. In 8.55 he says, though you do, now he really gets them after you, right? You can laugh after this. Though you do not know him, I know him. And if I said that I did not know him, I'd be a liar just like you. It's, it's funny. Jesus is funny. Like he's laying it out here. He's telling them right straight what's up. Like he's, they obviously don't know him. And they're not, they have no reverence for him and they're not living out their obedience even to the God they think they know at this point. They weren't happy about what Jesus was proclaiming in the temple. They weren't happy about how he was 
saying that he was the coming Christ because this is not what they knew. Verse 31, they wanted to arrest him. They were upset, but they didn't. Why? Because God wouldn't let them. It wasn't his time yet. God does those things for his glory, our good. Verse 31, I want you to see this. The first group that wanted to kill him, wanted to arrest him, the second group responds completely differently. (laughs) It says, many believed in him. They said, when the Christ comes, will he do more things? At this point, Jesus has got to be standing there going like, what else do I have to do? Like, haven't I done enough? Like, haven't you seen enough evidence? What else do I have to do to make you, to make you understand that I am who I say that I am? They respond differently. It's kind of a rhetorical question. Is that will he do more? No, he can't. No, no one coming after him will do anything more because no one can bring salvation like Jesus can bring salvation. No one can bring peace like Jesus brings peace and no one can bring joy like Jesus brings joy. It reminds me of the, the parable of the sower. Jesus said this was going to happen, and in, in, in the parable of the sower, he's scattering seeds, right, and it lands on four different types of soil. And, there, and the soil responds differently. All four different types respond differently, and, and one of them, it grows, produces a great plant, which produces great fruit. Another one dies. Another one's eaten by thorns. Another one's eaten by the devil, right? And, and Jesus said this would happen, right? Jesus said, this is how people are going to receive me. People are going to want to accept me, or they're going to reject me. Some people are going to want to make me king. Some people are going to want to kill me. Oh, Northland Church, that we would be a church in 2020 that would scatter those seeds regardless of the outcome and just depend completely and solely on the Holy Spirit to do its work. That you and I would open our mouths and share the gospel. That you and I would open our mouths and tell the story of Jesus and what he's done in our life in 2020. That we wouldn't be intimidated, that we wouldn't be discouraged about what our culture says. That our desire to make him known would outweigh public outcry, public opinion, racial barriers, and the cry of intolerance. Oh, as a church in 2020, that we would scatter the seeds of the gospel. The word does not return void. In the, the, this past fall was uh, tough. I know many of you know that, and, and on behalf of my family, thank you for cards, prayers that have come our way. Uh, my mom and dad passed away uh, this past fall, 27 days apart from each other. And uh, I mean, if anyone's ready to see 2019 go in the rearview mirror, I mean, it's, it's our family. And so again, thank you for the cards. But, but the reason I bring that up is because I was preparing for my mom's funeral service and I was going through these pictures and, and you just have to know my mom. My mom was like, she, if you were talking to her, you were going to hear either the name of Jesus or she was going to know whether you knew Jesus or not by the end of that conversation, right? And, and that's just who she was. And, and, and I grew up with that. And uh, sometimes she would go, my dad and I used to say that she would go places that angels dare to tread. And, and um, so that was kind of like our little joke. And, uh, but sometimes it got serious because sometimes she'd, have you heard from your mom today? No. Do you know where she's at? No. Okay. And so where's mom? We just start praying. Okay. And then she'd come home with this crazy story that she was in the right place at the right time, got to help out a family, got them connected to the Orlando Rescue Mission. And just story after story after story. And it, she didn't go looking for this. She was just available. She lo- that was her passion, was to share the gospel. Her passion was to scatter the seeds of the gospel, regardless of what the outcome was. I was going through pictures getting ready for her service, and I ran across this picture, and it reminded me of the 80s in, in, in Russia. They were under Russian uh, regime. They were under the, 
the Soviet regime and, and, and the gospel could not be preached and even talked about there. In fact, they were told the narrative there was that that was for, that was for the weak, that Jesus was just something that the, the Americans made up. That all these things, these kids, they grew up under that. And so then when the, the walls fell down and, 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 and teams began to, to try and rush in, there was still this division. There was, there, was, there was great division. The military was like, we are still sympathetic to the old, old regime. And so there were days where they would take Red Square and they would completely clear it out from tourists, protesters, everything. They would just clear it out and go, no, we will, we will decide what, what happens in this area. And they would march their tanks on to, these, to the Red Square and kind of flexing their muscle a little bit, like saying, no, we're still in charge. We don't care what they say, we're still in charge. And so it was kind of ominous times, and I was going back looking at the dates of these pictures, and I was like, man, uh, Mom went on a team to Russia during that time. And I'm looking at these pictures, and I'm thinking, like, what, what's going on in, in this picture? And, and I ran into one of her friends who told me what was going on in that picture, and I remember her telling that story about these two these two college girls that she ran into, she got to share the gospel with them through a, through a track that it had been translated into Russian. And then here's mom sharing the gospel with these two college students who grew up under this regime who were asking the question, is Jesus really the Christ? Is Jesus who he said he is? Because we've had all these other narratives handed to us. Can you answer this question? Mom got to share with them in ominous times. She did go where angels dare to tread, and, and, and what, a, what an awesome time, man, I just, uh, I hope that I have the boldness that she had. I hope that we as a church have the boldness in 2020 to go where angels dare to tread, to scatter the seeds of the gospel, to share the gospel to give account. And for you, it may be somebody that you sit across from every day at lunch. For you, it may be somebody that you work next to. It may be a neighbor. It may be somebody. But man, my prayer for our, our church this year is that we would be a bold church in sharing the gospel. That we would answer the question that even today, still being asked, is Jesus really the Christ? Is he really the Messiah? Is this Story continues to unfold in verse 32 and following. They, there's confusion going on. The Pharisees and the, and the chief priests, they, they don't get along real well, but they, they start working together because they want to see this guy get arrested. They want to see Jesus put behind bars, even killed. And so they're, they're trying. They're trying to make this happen. And it's kind of funny. Jesus, Jesus calls them uh, whitewashed tombs. And what he means by that is he says, you know, you guys look great on the outside. Your New Year's resolution, you got it all nailed down. You look wonderful, man. You're, you're, you're singing praise. You're, you're praying on the public square. People coming up to you and telling you how religious you look. People are coming to you and praising you for your incredible, well-thought-out prayers. But on the inside, you're full of death. On the inside, there is nothing to you. You are hollow, whitewashed tombs. Verse 33, Jesus says, Therefore... This is for a little while longer, I am with you, but then I will go to him who sent me. So the officers show up, they, they try to arrest Jesus, and Jesus is like, I'll decide when I'm coming and going, I'll, I'll see myself out, thank you. He has the authority to do that. It wasn't his time, it, only I could take my life, he said. 
And Jesus 30, in 34, verse 34, Jesus is absolutely correct when he tells these guys, you will seek me and you will not find me. And where I am, you cannot come. Because what these guys are looking for is what they've lived in the past, what they've been told. What you and I might be looking for in 2020. We, we may be trying to, to drive with our rearview mirror. We may be so caught up by what's happening in the past, so held back by what's happening in the past that we can't see what's right in front of us. And, and God is saying to us this morning, at the beginning of the outset, what a, an incredible time to hit the reset button in our lives. God is saying to us, let me take, let me take that mirror from you and you stop living, looking out the rearview mirror and you start putting two hands on the plow and step by step by step. Yes, those things will get smaller in your rearview mirror. Don't drive like that. Step towards me each and every day. Be in my word. Be in my presence. Pray to me. Talk to me. Let's communicate. And each and every day, we get closer and closer to him. And as we get closer and closer to him, those things, those failures, those disappointments, those things that we didn't like about last decade, those things that we didn't like about last year, they will get smaller. God promises it. So my prayer, my prayer for us this morning, as we would step into this, is that we would allow Jesus, the true Jesus, the true Messiah, the true Christ, who stands today at the right hand of the Father. He is still in 2020, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That we would let him reign over our lives in 2020 as we hit the reset button. Whatever that looks like for you, it may be picking up God's word again. It may be making commitments when you go home today that you didn't even think about before you walked in here today. Whatever that is for you, whatever that looks like, my prayer is that we would be bold enough to do that when we leave this place. Let's pray. Father, we do come to you with, with the confidence that we know that you are who you said you were and who you still say that you are today. God, may our lives live that out. May our lives reflect that. God, stir our hearts today that we may be bold to proclaim that Jesus truly is the Christ. Even in this day and age, when there's so many other narratives out there, Lord, may our lives speak, may our mouths speak of the truth that Jesus is alive, that he is the risen king. We pray this in Jesus' name.